Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, family. Blasting out tons of love to you right now to start this episode. We have another incredible one for you. We've been diving deep down the rabbit hole the last few with Hugh Newman, Nassim Haramin, and now we have Patty Greer, who is a crop circle expert. She has done eight full feature UFO films in the last 10 years, and so she has deep science and understanding and real life stories all about crop circles. So it's a really fascinating episode. Um, We talk about the science behind crop circles and the research of William Levengood and Penny Kelly. We talk about how crop circles are made and it won't be what you think. We talk about why you can easily spot the difference between a fake and a real crop circle. We talk about the locations and why they're on ley lines and near sacred sites. We talk about firsthand experiences with orbs and kind of out of this world stuff. And we talk about the measurable energies of crop circles in a whole lot more. So this is a fantastic episode. If you're interested in crop circles, I know you're going to love it. And if you're not interested in crop circles, I think you're going to find it fascinating anyway. Um, If you want to support the podcast, uh, you can leave a review. And I just want to say thanks uh, to what is the name here? It's by self kindness, which I love. Um, It says one of the best places online to grow your soul. Love Matt and how he interacts with his guests. He's got a warm, sensible, but totally open spirit that explores and asks the best questions. You'll find lots of amazing topics covered, such as OBEs, martial arts, energy medicine, hallucinogens, dream awareness, and consciousness, expanding exercises. This book will become one of your favorites. So thank you so much, Self-Kindness. I appreciate you guys taking the time to throw this on the internet and letting people know what you think because it helps get the message out there. So that's a great way to support. Uh, Checking out mattbelair.com forward slash store and checking out all my affiliates like Sync Tuition, Arc Crystals, uh, the Resonant Science Foundation, Procabulary, just amazing stuff over there and I'm and I'm going through a bunch of stuff right now I need to test them and vet them but I'm going to just kind of share what I use in my daily life and you guys can go get free stuff and discounts and samples and all that kind of stuff so check it out over there um and you can check out mattbelair.com forward slash lucid dreaming if you want to get a free mp3 that'll help basically it's like a hypnotic meditation to teach you to lucid dream first way to experience altered states and uh, an ebook to help you so uh, you can check out for the or just the general email list if you want to get up-to-date uh, podcast information so that's a system that i'm looking to put into place for 2018 which i do not have at the minute 
Um, and those of you guys who I've been getting uh, questions for coaching. So if you guys are interested in coaching, um, you can just reach out at matt at zenathlete.com and uh, we'll do a discovery call and we'll figure out to see if I can help you take your life and your goals to the next level, whether it's personal, financial, business, uh, or sport if you have athletes so or CEOs and entrepreneurs and that kind of thing. Um, it's unique and it's fun and, and exciting. So um, just reach out there and we can have a conversation. And that's about it. So what I want to do before we blast in is just as always invite you to come to a state of coherence and I'm going to try to do them. Uh, they've been getting a little bit long lately, which isn't necessarily bad, but I want to entrain you on how to do it quickly and easily. So first is you set your intention and do this with me wherever you are, if you'd like to, to come into a state of peace and coherence. Now take a huge deep breath in through your nose Imagining white, gold, and platinum crystalline light filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being. Hold the breath and just let it out slowly. And imagine light coming down from the universe and just pulsing through every cell and every muscle of your being as you continue your deep breathing. And imagine the energy from the earth coming up through your feet and mixing in the center of your chest and your heart. And mixing all of these energies and just coming to a state of peace and coherence with your intention and your breath. And now just bring about some memories of love and gratitude. Whatever comes to mind, maybe it's a bunch of memories of love and gratitude or one specific one. And as you have this memory, focus on the feeling and love and gratitude as you continue to imagine these energies pouring through your body. And then just magnify that feeling of love and gratitude. Double that feeling and double it again. Now quadruple that feeling of love and gratitude and see it pulse through every cell and every muscle and every fiber and out 10 feet from your being. And now with your intention, just send that energy out to your friends, your family, your coworkers, your loved ones, out to your city, your country, the entire planet, the solar system and all galaxies, past, present and future. Remembering to send that energy back to you, knowing that you are whole, harmonious, worthy, full of self-worth and self-love as you are as a student on planet Earth and just giving yourself deep love and gratitude. Just enjoy this state of coherence and know that you can come back to this state whenever you wish. So there you go. That's it. So let's get into part one of this incredible episode with Patty Greer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I am your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a multi-award-winning documentarian and leading expert in the field of crop circles. She completed eight full-feature UFO films in the last 10 years that offer explosive new evidence, footage, and data about crop circles and plasma physics. Without misleading or confusing misinformation, her movies were filmed in the UK crop circle fields where she interviewed the people who returned to the fields year after year like she did. She is bold, direct, and intuitive and has spent nine weeks each summer laying in crop circles in 2007, 2008, returning in 2010, 2011, and 2014 with cameras. She has visited more than 100 UK crop circles personally and fearlessly filmed mind-boggling multi-dimensional footage for years welcome to the show my friend patty greer 
that Patty? Thank you, Matt. It's wonderful to be here again with you. Yeah, it's so nice to see you. And you've moved into a, a beautiful new space, I see. I have. My life has totally shifted. And my focus in my life has totally shifted, not away from crop circles, but um, more into why are crop circles happening and how can we move forward with all the information that we have. So my ideal today is solutions. Amazing. Yeah. You know, like you and I met at um, Contact in the Desert, you know, we made friends and I, I learned a lot about your incredible work. You've done a lot of work for a long time, um, faced a lot of adversity and a lot of challenges. But the end of the day, you know as much as anyone else on the planet about crop circles, where they come from, what the heck the story is, you know, separating fact from fiction. Um, can you just give someone who is new to your work just a little bit of the background on on some of the amazing extensive work that you've done? Thank you. Yes, I'd love to. When I went to England to lay in crop circles the first time, I didn't know anything about crop circles. I didn't watch movies. I didn't read books. I didn't study them other than I looked on the internet to see, are there any this year? And so I typed in crop circles, Wiltshire, England, because I heard that that was where most of them happen. And it's still the epicenter today. And there were 14. Oh my God, there were already 14. And there were 11 in Italy. And I thought, oh my God. And it was June. So it was exploding in both of these countries. And then in the Netherlands, there were three. And then all these other splatterings around the world. And it was just this website that was called Crop Circle Connector. Dot com. And every time I went and looked, there were more in different countries and it listed them all over the world. So I thought, well, there's more in England than anywhere else. But I had some friends that had just come back, which is what spiked my interest because they were completely different energetically. I, I've known these people 20, 30 years. And as soon as I saw them, I said, what's different? Wait. What's, what's going on with the two of you? You could see a difference when people's frequencies have shifted and the two of them were clearly different. And they said, we just got back from the crop circles in England and it was, and then they went on for a little while and six weeks later, I was there. So I went there not knowing anything other than my friends that were pretty darn cool were all of a sudden like sparky bright. And I was like, I want what they're having. So literally I went over there to heal from something that was challenging my my human body and the first crop circle I walked in it was rainy it was cold I was with uh, a woman I didn't know but we met her in Glastonbury the day before and she said oh yes come follow me the following day I'm going to crop circle with a friend at 10 in the morning please meet us in front of the witch's store my daughter looked at me and I'm like okay cool so it's called witchcraft so we meet him downtown Glastonbury witchcraft and there are these two ladies in a teeny little car with a Great Dane and a harp, a, a little uh, English harp squished in the back window. And harp is what I had played for 33 years. So it's just in my face for the whole way driving to almost Stonehenge to see this crop circle. But there it was right out there in the field and they had gotten directions and directions in England in this area are pretty much by a broken tree, a bent rim on a gate, and then you climb the fence and you count five tractor lines to the left, which are called tram lines, and start walking. It's like, 
okay, well, there's a broken thing on the gate. I mean, that's probably it. And, you know, that's the way, you know, and so you go count five tractor lines in this huge field and you can't see the crop circle unless you're up on a hill. So if you look down, it's like, oh, good, it's right down there. And, you know, it's like you've got a destination. But when it's flat, like the first crop circle, it's questionable. But we followed the directions and we walked in and all of a sudden the hair went up on my arms and tingles shot through my body head to toe. And I turned around and looked at my daughter and the lady behind her and they both went and we're being silent walking down this tram line into what we didn't know. And um, it's like the electrostatic field just hit us. And we were all like big eyes, like, yeah, I feel something, but I don't know what it is. And sure enough, instantly there it was, just this laid, magnificent field swirl of art that was not like anywhere else in the field. And the walls were crystalline, clean, perfect. And it looked like it went down in one movement and it took my breath away. And I still think on the hundredth crop circle or more, every time I see it for the first second, I bow. I just feel this incredible gratitude and honor. And I would bow every time. I forget about this until I think about that moment of seeing the lay, the swirl for the first time. Walking in is one thing. Feeling the arm, little teeny hairs go up is definitely shocking. But when you see it, it's breathtaking, unless it's sloppy, messy. And when you say lay, do you mean the way that it's it's kind of tangled and, and none of them are broken, like when it's a real one? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, tangled is not correct. They're swirled down like in one movement, like like something swirled it cleanly. So they're not tangled. That's what's cool. And mm -hmm. what's interesting is where they're bent. Most of the time, it's a 90-degree bend. And as you look at a plant, it's a stalk that goes up. And every five inches, it grows like a node, a strengthening node. If it's um, a food crop, wheat, barley, corn, oats. Um, I shouldn't say oats. I don't know how they grow, but I know those do. Canola also grows there. And corn is like, you know, huge. Canola is huge. And the stalk is early spring, and they do these yellow flowers. So the first crop circles we see every year are canola. And my one friend that goes, that lives over there, said that when he walks in the canola crop circles, it can be 10 feet high. And you feel like you're in a maze and you have no idea where you are. But the hair is standing up and you're just like, it's, you would love it. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard that too. You know, what it makes me think about is I just got back from Egypt with Nassim Haramein and the Resonant Science Foundation. And, you know, when I went into the pyramids and I was in those spaces, it was something that I could feel very obviously. And then I get back um, and I watch a documentary by Freddie Silva. It's called uh, The Sacred Space and the Healing Power of Resonance. And what he talks about is those spaces as literally just having an energetic field, which makes sense. And I heard about that before going to Egypt, but being there, I felt it. And also in the documentary, he talks about crop circles and how they have the exact same energetic frequency when one is laid and you go through and people are, are having these healing experiences, they're having these energetic experiences. Um, and he even went on to show an example where he was just showing people images of the crop circles and people were actually just being healed 
just through the image of the crop circle. And to and I know to a lot of people that sounds like sheer madness, um, but you know there's a, a lot of documented cases of that happening, and and you know you don't really know why. And so you know I can definitely attest to like the feeling, and I would definitely love to be there. Um, there's a ton of questions that I want to ask because I know that there's really fascinating research being done on crop circles. I know that you've worked with um, I forget his real name, but I always remember him as Lefty. Um, William Levengood. Yeah, so really, really credible, really um, incredible scientists and physicists on all this stuff. But for people who are a little bit skeptical, they're like, okay, crop circles could be this and that. Do you have like a like a paragraph or like an elevator pitch of just like you know, this is what crop circles are. This is the main thing because for me, you know, I'm not here to convince people. Like they say, you can't convince somebody who doesn't want to be convinced, you know, right. but there, but some of the facts are, are pretty outstanding. And so maybe you can speak on a little bit from your experience of what eight documentaries and 10 years of research with scientists and physicists, and you don't spend that much time in one subject with many other incredibly intelligent people if there isn't something to it. So I don't know if that's like one question or a broad one, but maybe it's become that a little bit. Well, I want to clarify, which I have to do every show because people think I'm a researcher. And it's interesting. Most people in my position making movies about a subject would research it a lot. I'm an experiencer instead. I went in so many crop circles with a camera and I only filmed the people that were there a lot for the same reason I was, which was to not be in a hurry and to receive the information and to be a part of the experience rather than the reporters over there that are interviewing us when we get back to the center because they're scared to go in it or whatever. I was one of those people that went in the small planes and flew constantly. So I didn't need to have other people's footage. How I trained to do that um, and how I had the nerve, frankly, I don't think I would tomorrow and I did no training. So for me, this wasn't <clears throat> a life dream <clears throat> or a plan that I had to make movies, to go in crop circles, to talk about UFOs, to lose the respect of most of my family and friends because I'm an experiencer. So it's not a believer, I'm an experiencer. I've seen so much, it's like you can't tell me that this isn't my nose. I've blown it, I know it is. So that's how I feel about crop circles. It's like, but I used to feel more uh, communicatory with people that were skeptics. Now I'm not because I think that we have moved to a place in frequency and I'm just guessing because I don't go to town a lot. I live on a mountain and I keep moving higher up on the mountain um, because I do better with wildlife than with people in the city and the smart grid and the cameras on every corner and all that. I I could do that 10 years ago, not today. I do it for groceries, <laughs> gas. <laughs> I do it, you know, for what I need to do. But I think that many of us that are doing the work like you are, even at such a young age, are working more with our resonant frequency. And what that means for me is my natural frequency. I'm really finely tuned into um, how can I serve. But I can't do it if I'm in a weakened tunnel here of going between us and the other dimensions. I've got to keep my channel really, really tight and really clean and really grounded. So staying in the woods in a place where I can walk barefoot, even when it's snowy, 
uh, is really important so that I can stay firm and grounded when I say, this is good, this I don't recommend, but again, now I'm not even doing the don't recommend anymore. I feel like I did my years of that, where I really tried to almost babysit the field because I could see as somebody a little older perhaps what was going on and I don't like seeing people get hurt. And what happened for me being one of the people that was trying to mother the field, I got hit. And it was right after I saw you at Contact in the Desert, I got hit on the last day with an energy weapon. And uh, two days later, it was shocking what I went through. When I mentioned that on Coast to Coast Radio last week, I heard from two other people that got hit also. I don't take it lightly. And I, um, I think the reason is that we are so close to this shift that the people that are really scared of people that are relentless in their pursuit to see the world evolve, they keep trying to be naughty. And it used to garner my attention now. Now I got more important things to do, which are the solutions. And I think that finally I got gifted for being steadfast. And so we're not focused on people still behaving badly tomorrow, which they probably still are, but I don't care anymore. What I care about is your generation and my generation being able to take a teaspoon of something and heal the entire body. What I care about is being able to bring solutions. And in the last six months since getting hit, boy, did I come up with incredible miracles because I finally was in a place where I'm working with the right people, not doctors and dentists from old paradigm, you know, lockdown, the real scientists that are working with the ET technologies or with consciousness technologies, right? Mm. Big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You said a lot there, um, but I want to pick up at the end, consciousness, consciousness technologies, I think is really fascinating because I had Adam Curry come on and we spoke a little bit before about C60 and I know a little bit about your story because, you know, we're friends and I, you know, we chatted about it. Somebody, you know, if they think crop circles is a big idea, you know, there there's what hundreds or thousands of reported ones. And then the fake ones are pretty darn obvious. And then you go into like something like an energy <laughs> woman, people might, that's a stretch. Um, but I know a friend personally that got whacked with one too. And like, this is my homie. Like he's telling me to my face and I've never seen one, but I trust my friend and the whole story and what he went through is like, that is super messed up. And so I have a good friend as well, Jay Campbell, who's been on the podcast and he does a, he's on the leak project a lot. And uh, it's a really great podcast, lots of information. Now they focus a little bit more in the dark. And so when I was going through my process of figuring out what's going on with humanity why is it so messed up you know and then looking at like oh like people are doing bad things this is not good and uh i got depressed for a little bit but the nice thing is it's like it seems that we're in this boiling point right now where it's getting very overt you've got a lot of stuff going on in hollywood coming to the surface like for years like obviously i know that and like i also knew when i was 15 that every politician was a puppet and people can't understand that and, and they're still debating politics and like you guys come on like it's you got to go above that how are you until it kind of gets ripped out and then they're like oh it was a puppet show interesting so we're getting to these spaces where the solutions are coming through um so what's most exciting for you because i know that you were 
you were a part of the solution a long time ago and you saw some incredible research with the seeds that were coming out of the crop circles <clears throat> with um, the plasma, some of the interesting stuff. Um, I'll, I'll let you take it from here, whether where you want to go in the solutions or some of the interesting things you've seen while being in crop circles, whether it's the healing or, or whatever. I know it's a pretty well, deep well with you. Let's let's mainly go to how I feel the crop circles are real and have no doubt. Um, number one, I've been in them so I can feel the difference in the energy field, but it took six movies until I actually learned the science because the science of all things was completely established by a, the scientist William Levengood. And for the last 16 years of his life, he worked with a woman that nobody ever heard about. Her name is Penny Kelly. And I actually did a special with Penny Kelly yesterday where I've got my new show, Info Whores. And um, I, I did a show with Penny. And I said, okay, let's stop talking about lefty. Let's talk about plasma. And she said, well, there, and she plowed it. So what we have is so much science that of course we know is being suppressed. And so I just said to her, Let's talk about the suppressed science. Let's talk about the punchline of what's important here. So what's important here, the reason that somebody spent so much to hide lefties research, and this is a scientist who wrote more than 40 papers that were published in scientific and nature journals. The man was um, had written more scientific, documented, uh, published papers than anyone else on earth. The guy was phenomenal, and he had been studying plants and soils since the 1950s, but when he got his first sample of a crop circle, that node we were talking about, the arm going up with the bends, and then he got another bunch more, and then these were from the center, and these were five feet out from the center of the crop circle, and these were 10 feet out, he started measuring the magnetics and saying, what's made them bend like this? But not only did they bend, they had a bubble where they bent. So he looked at the nodes outside the crop circle and they just went straight up and the node was just a little knuckle and it went up, And but the ones that bent had blown a bubble and some of them had blown the bubble and actually burst a hole and burned the edges of it. And I have all these photos in my movies and steam must have come out. And then there were some that had stretched and then bent over and they were called elongated nodes. So we've got the blown nodes, we've got the exploded nodes with the burn, and then we've got the, um, the normal samples. And so he starts measuring the magnetics and also how far the material was thrown. And they figured out that crop circles are not at all some woo-woo UFO unprovable thing that they're trying to make it today. Oh, actually, no, they're mostly made by a couple of old guys with boards and ropes or a team of kids that go drinking at night laughing about fooling humanity. <laughs> so that's, you know, and go to Wikipedia, and it's pretty much that. I tried to edit Wikipedia, and they banned me for life. I was trying to put in something real. Anyway, going back to, um, yeah, the nodes. And the nodes are such physical evidence that when we look at all the fields of ufology, none leave more physical evidence than crop circles, acres. Hmm. So you've got tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of stalks 
with blown nodes or elongated nodes or exploded nodes, biophysical evidence that you can't copy. And then they would get um, leaves from really intensely hit crop circles. And when I say really intensely hit, it would be a formation like the sacred geometry behind you with multiple elements, circles, squares, triangles, diamonds. I mean, all these different things which many crop circles had. And the word crop circle, you know, don't be tricked by the word circle because many of them have multi shapes. Many of them have mathematics. Some of them have been shown in binary code. We've seen Morse code. We've seen all kinds of codes and brought in code readers to decipher what we're looking at. So a lot of the crop circles also appeared like something you'd recognize, a hummingbird, a dolphin swimming in circles, um, a group of dolphins swimming in a circle, the 1500 foot long octopus. You remember that one with the long tentacles? Do you remember the dragonfly? Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yep, I've seen that one too, yep. So the dragonfly crop circle with the veins and the wings. I mean, meticulous art. And I'm naming all these ones from the summer of 2009 because it was one where all of a sudden we were correlating, wait a minute, this whole summer is a scarab, a dragonfly, all these fish, um, the octopus, all these birds, the hummingbird, the rising phoenix, the thunderbird, they were all the same summer, 2009. Where's the sacred geometry? Where's the mathematics? Where's the binary codes? It was all about pictograms, birds, fish, insects. Eight months later, BP oil spill killed millions of birds, fish, insects. For me, I saw a warning. I was like, ah, that's the answer, how horrible. But the mother, the earth, was trying to tell us. So the thing that Lefty and Penny discovered by measuring the magnetics we were talking about, going up the stalk, and from the distance that the lay was thrown, they found literally that it turned out to be a spinning vortex of energy coming out of the earth, and by Looking at the actual magnetics and the mathematics, they found that it was actually plasma. And they proved scientifically without a shadow of a doubt that this was a plasma vortex. So what we have here is the fact that crop circles are not coming out of the sky. And sometimes, yeah, guys with boards and ropes, that's real nice, haha, <laughs> funny. But what we're talking about, the real phenomenon, has been proven scientifically repeatedly, that crop circles are coming out of the earth encounter rotating vortices of spinning plasma, which means a pair of spinning in the opposite direction, little tornadoes of energy. And in these tornadoes, they found that there were different layers of frequencies. And they found consistently that almost every crop circle came through water. Every crop circle just about documented came through an aquifer of water or a body of water. They also found, or we found, by looking at the maps and a red push pin everywhere there's a crop circle, that when you look at a ley line map, which is a map of straight lines between sacred sites, and this area is laced with more sacred sites than anywhere else on Earth, Wiltshire, England, Somerset, Southern England, 
Stonehenge, Avery Stone Circle, Glastonbury. You've got this whole incredible area, still today, Druid people. They don't wash their cars, they don't clean their homes like we do here in America, and their gardens go on for days. It's like Jack and the Beanstalk, and their flowers are just voluptuous everywhere. And um, it's a different energy where they're more about the earth. So the earth is, of course, going to be more about them. Oh, what a great place to drop my messages. And when I say the earth dropping her messages, if they're coming out of the earth in counter-rotating vortices of spinning plasma, who's sending this up? Well, it would be the earth herself. And people love to say, oh, which alien race in the earth? No, 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 no. The earth, the mother, the living entity, the earth that we live on, this beautiful, patient earth that supplies us with everything we need. And so here we are, we're letting things happen that are inappropriate. Oh, how well behaved. And um, she's just not even shaking us off, you know, ready for the next species to try, try on Earth. She's being very, very patient. So she sends up these messages. And then she also sends them through water because water is a very important element also creating crop circles. So you've got these spinning vortices coming out of the earth with intention from the mother, and they're going through the water. So they're sending out these intentional frequencies that the mother wants the water and us and them to know. So here we've got this energy, this intentional love from the mother coming through water, spreading out to all the tributaries, and the water also has its own energetics. So here we are, these layers of different frequencies spinning. Some are earth, some are water. Now some of the crop circles, like in three different ones in my films, were a group of humans praying for something and bang, the next day there it is in a crop circle. You've heard of that, right? Yeah, I saw that one. So what that is, is you've got for instance, um, the last one I remember clearly was the girls that I met in a crop circle. There was this incredible formation from the air. We had a photo, we drove three hours to get to it, and it felt human made. It was broken wheat instead of blown nodes and elongated nodes. Every three feet, it looked like it was broken. And it was like, oh, darn, human made. But we're filming, it's a beautiful day. And I meet these ladies in the back of the crop circle. And I said, I think it's human made. And they said, no, it isn't. This is ours. And they held up a photo of the crop circle from the air, which I had seen back in Avebury. And then they held up a photo of their free energy device called the quantum energy generator. And they said, we were sitting with our entire technical crew in the Avebury stone circle yesterday, asking for a crop circle to confirm that our device was going to work. And now we've got these two photos side by side, which you can see in the beginning of my film, Crop Circle Diaries. I show the story of this happening. And there it is. It's the schematic in a crop circle. So now what we have in this instance is coming out of the earth. The mother said, okay, I confirm. Thank you for doing this. And so now she drops this crop circle. But as we've got these counter-rotating vortices, and this is a real human, I, it took me five days saying to Penny Kelly, explain this, I can't get it, it hurts my brain. So I mean, this is a big thing to understand. But I think I can speak in like 
girl terms, which most people should be able to understand, woman terms, that we've got these layers of different intention. And not always humans are involved. Sometimes we're not involved at all. But in this instance, we were one of those layers of frequency. Now, sometimes you'll see a formation that looks like orbits with planets and uh, these weird little elements added. And so those, I always think those are ET crop circles where perhaps some race was flying by, moving past. Oh, Earth, which way is uh, Saturn? And so she, because a lot of crop circles will point in a direction. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, so now possibly that one had ET frequencies. We know always Earth. We've got electromagnetic frequencies. We've got ion electron avalanche energies. We've got thermogradients. We've got water, human consciousness sometimes, but not always, and then other dimensional consciousness, but not always, but always the Earth and always water, creating crop circles. So now at the base of this vortex of spinning frequencies, when all the frequencies are stacked up in perfection, they're spinning, and when they get to the exact right spin rate, the base of the vortex, what the human eye will see if we're lucky, is a ball of light. And that is what we have filmed, not me, but people have filmed the balls of light and um, what I found was the two balls of light in the most famous footage of the balls of light laying the crop circle down at Oliver's castle. You've seen the footage? Yeah, I saw the footage. Mm -hmm. Most people have. Unfortunately, somebody was paid a lot of money to tell the world it was fake and go back to sleep. A lot of people still believe it's fake. I didn't watch his videos or whatever, so it didn't matter to me. What I saw was this incredible footage of balls of light laying a crop circle down in seconds. I didn't really know what I had, but I brought it home and I made my first movie. And I hired a guy about your age. I met him on Craigslist, absolutely brilliant editor. And we just sat there day after day with all this footage that I hired a film crew for one day at the end of 2007 to come back to the crop circles. He was filming this um, crop circle symposium in Glastonbury and they were the nicest guys on the team. And I realized every single speaker on stage was people I'd been laying in crop circles with all summer long. And I was like, oh, you didn't even tell me. Anyway, so I'm watching them all on stage. I'm loving them an inch more. And so I said to the crew, would you be willing to go to Avebury and let me hire you for a day. The three of you, your cameras, I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never made a movie, no training, but these guys were so fun, so nice, and they gave me a really good price. So they came over, they lived in Glastonbury their whole lives, they were different decades, not one of them had ever been in a crop circle. The people that live there, it's like, psh, I'm sorry, whatever. So. Um, so it was kind of exciting for them. And I said, uh, you know, prepare yourselves because you're probably going to watch the hair go up on your arms and you're going to be all tingly and giddy and who knows what will happen. But can I count on you for eight hours? I kept them for 12. Oh, my gosh. So I made my first movie, come home with the footage, and I was gifted the original footage, I thought, of the Oliver's Castle with the balls of light lay the crop circle down in seconds. And I didn't know any of what I just told you. 
All I knew was, wow, that was a cool summer. I met the greatest people. And so um, we lay the movie out. It's 77 minutes, my favorite number, seven. And I thought, wow, that's just too easy. So I said to the editor, let's turn off the gear, go out on the deck, take a breath, and come in and watch the movie and see if it's a movie. And we don't know me. We don't know you editing. Let's just watch it and see if it's a movie. So we go out, and I look over my shoulder, and there's this big blue orb on the monitor. And I said to the editor, oh, oh, wait, please turn off the monitor. What's that big blue orb? And we both walked up and looked at it, and the thing is like, kind of like behind you, this huge, gorgeous, blue orb, I mean, really bright like that. And it had all these elements that a great orb does, all this geometry through it. It wasn't just like a blur, it was magnificent. And I'm looking at it going, that's not even in the movie. Where'd this come from? And the editor looked at me a little taken aback. He goes, um, <clears throat> monitors unplugged from the wall. Okay, so we are back after technical difficulties once again. Uh, we're going to go into that, but first, just to recap, because you were on an incredible tear with high-quality crop circle information. Um, you know, I've done a lot of looking into it on my own. The first one I really got into it was watching a Nassim Haramein video uh, in Whistler, and this video is probably 10 years old now. And a big part of that was crop circles and what he was doing was taking the information and, and, and the 2D pattern and then making it into a 3D pattern. And it was actually helping him with physics. Um, so you spoke on that a little bit. And so you touched on a lot of different things. And, and so um, I just want to let you, you know, continue from where you're going because you're going to get into even more information about what else they contain. And I have a lot of questions, but I just want to let you finish your thought there and where you were going. And then I'll chime in because, you know, what I'm curious about is just overall what your thoughts are on, you know, so the earth is making them. That's a really fascinating concept. I got that from your documentaries. I thought that was an incredible, um, you know, it's just a mind warp. I was like, I never even considered that. Um, you actually, there's, there's footage of plasma vortices coming up. Nassim talks about this. Dan Winter talks about this. Um, there's a lot of physicists who are on the leading edge talking about plasma physics. Um, so it's all correlating um, and what I'm curious about is, you know, why do you think that they're doing these crop circles? Is it a communication? Is it, um, yeah, so I'll just let you take it from there. Cause my, my thought is from what I can see, it's just information. And, and, and when you talked about the shapes and the two spinning vortices, there's crop circles and you can find them online and it's perfect. You know, they're perfect sacred geometry, super advanced sacred geometry to the point where a physicist can take that 2d model and get real information from from it and help whatever they're working on so it's coming from somewhere and it is advanced and just curious if you wanted to finish your thought on where you were going and and maybe touch on what i was ranting about well that rant right now goes right into where we were when the show got instantly stopped wasn't that the darndest thing Mm -hmm. was when I was talking about the fact that there was a blue orb on the monitor and the monitor was unplugged from the wall. That's mm -hmm. where we got disconnected. Yes, yes. So what happened in that moment was in Boulder, Colorado, with this lovely young editor, I'm standing there looking and I realized there's no electricity. There's an orb on the monitor that's large that is not in the movie. 
and it's fabulously beautiful. And so I realized it was some kind of a message. And that message all of a sudden affected my entire body because the hair started standing up, little teeny hairs on my arm, goosebumps head to toe, tingles on the top of my head, and I'm looking around the room like I feel like I'm in a crop circle. It was that same feeling I got in the crop circle, right there in my house in Boulder, Colorado with the blue orb on my monitor, and this young kid's looking at me and he goes, you look really weird. And I know that I was probably shape-shifting a little bit into whatever less density of myself might look like, you know, like almost ghosting because um, they came into the house. They came, they showed up and I could feel them because bang, I was in an electromagnetic field that he wasn't in eight feet away. So it was an interesting moment where all of a sudden I had a very direct communication, whatever it was, them in the house. And I said to him, uh, please sit back down at the gear. I thought we were going to take a break. I said, show me that Oliver's Castle footage at the end of the movie. Show it to me again. And so he, he did. He pulled it up and I said, reverse it. He said, why? I said, I don't know. Just please back it up. So we looked at it reversed. I didn't see anything. And I said, slow it down. He said, how slow? And I said, I don't know, 30%. And we both looked at each other and I said, I don't know where that came from, but slow it down 30% and reverse it. And so we're both watching it and I yelled, stop, oh my God. And right between those two balls of light at the base of those spinning plasma vortices in the Oliver's Castle famous footage, in that moment I found a binary code that you can see between those two balls of light, black, white, white, black, like if you stretched it, it would be a barcode, but it was a direct line between those two balls of light, went out a teeny bit more with a little bit more code of communication. And I've had a few people say, oh, well, it's not, you know, it goes further. And I said, yeah, well, when I talk to you, does it stop at your ear or does it go beyond you? Just curious. Well, yeah. So what we have here is a moment where they chose to have me find this thing and look like a fool to many people, but it didn't matter because the way I found it and seeing the blue orb and the poor kid watching the whole thing, but now he's a 35 or eight year old man who will never forget that day because finding that binary code was proof positive in that moment to me that will never change that that crop circle was real and that footage is absolutely real. And it took all these years to find somebody smart enough to look at the screenshot of that photo. And it was Penny Kelly. And I showed her an eight by 10 and I had the camera running. And I said, what is this? And she looked at it and she said, wow, how did you capture a moment in time where two plasma balls are communicating in a code? I was like, oh my God, I totally nailed it that day. I wasn't wrong. And she said, where'd you get this? And I said, the Oliver's Castle footage. Totally threw off guard. She's like, you know, and because she's written 23 books on intuition, telepathy, and all those other layers of metaphysics that we can't put our finger on. Um, and she wrote one of her books with Lefty. 
and um, really advanced crop circle research, which basically, when we look at the whole story of Lefty and Penny and why they're not famous and why crop circles aren't well known or honored as an earth phenomenon, no, there's some woo-woo UFO thing that we can debunk. It's like, not to me. What we have is a proven scientific thing. Why are they hiding it? Because what Penny and Lefty learned was that the seeds inside crop circles consistently grow 30 to 400% more food and biofuel per plant with up to 75% more nutrition per seed. They grow when conditions are too hot, too cold, too dry, too wet, when conditions are uncommonly difficult, these seeds survived and became literally super seeds. And that's what's happening in crop circles. And it could be used for the advantage of humanity. So as we look at where we're at with genetically modifying foolishly and chemicalizing, allowing anybody to do this to our food supply, whatever, it's gone on a long time. But perhaps if we are at that gate of evolution, and a reset of all thinking. Perhaps we are at the place where that's not gonna be happening anymore and these technologies can come forward. That's what I think the mother has been sending up these crop circles for is to say it's a waterfall of seed enhancing love. I'm sending you in these spinning vortices and they get so hot that the wheat boils and bends over and it reframes the whole structure of the plant. And a plant is built of cellulose, which I thought that was plastic, but plants are cellulose. And it turns out, how did it get hot enough? Well, what happened when the spinning vortices hit the liquid inside the plant? It actually made it heat up to almost the point of boiling. And what's interesting is that another thing that they found on leaves inside some crop circles, they had this thick orange, it was like metallic leaf. And they took it to the lab and they tore it off the leaf carefully. And it looked like it had molded to this leaf that was still alive inside metal on both sides. It was iron ore. And when they peeled it away, the fact that it had the markings of the vein of the leaf and the little open nodes, you know, on the tops or the bottoms of the leaf, you could see it had to have been molten, liquid, 1,200 degrees or more, floating through the air in the middle of the night in a farm field. So all this time I was thinking floating through the air, but now that I'm hanging out with scientists, they said, no, iron ore is in the earth. So the vortex, of course, is spinning up this hot, you know, and in certain places it's got iron ore. So that's what's happening in some crop circles, but it's spinning it to the point where it gets so hot that you see that ball of light. That's pretty hot. And interestingly enough, <clears throat> the last time I took a man into the crop circles with me, he watched me film my movie, Orbs and Light Beings. Probably the most shocking story I've ever filmed. And when we got back to America, he packed up and left without saying a word. He must have been so freaked out, realizing that I don't make this stuff up. But when he watched everywhere we went, no matter where it was in Southern England, 
We met people that had some out there story, but it was about the same crop circle three nights ago, four nights ago, five nights ago, everywhere we went. They were in that crop circle and had the most bizarre story about orange balls of light that communicated with them. A five-year-old child from Belgium on camera in my movie, Orbs and Light Beings, just bright-eyed and she's talking really fast and the mother then translates to English. English. And here we are in this beautiful crop circle on Roundaway Hill, gorgeous day. And I said to the mom with the three kids and the dog and the dad, what do you think of this crop circle and the daughter, the five-year-old with the space between her teeth and the ringlets, huge blue indigo eyes, just takes off and finally stops talking. And the mother said, she doesn't want to talk about this crop circle we're in. She wants to talk about the one we were in two nights ago in Avebury. And my boyfriend stepped on my foot so hard. He just looked at me like, this is not happening. This is the third time we met people in somewhere else that was in that crop circle. And now a five-year-old was saying they communicated with me. And they told me the crop circle wasn't, gonna, wasn't done yet. It was going to be bigger. And that night we went to a wedding in Glastonbury. And we met this guy that did automatic writing. And he closed his eyes and, and he, that hand moves and he writes all this in his book and I said oh have you written anything interesting lately and he leans forward and pulls this book out now we're at a wedding okay wedding's over at the everybody's drinking on that end we don't drink so we're down at you know our end and this guy pulls his book out slaps it open and I looked and it was like oh no no it's the same crop circle that the child talked about this morning. I'm going to lose another guy. I'm just going to scare the crap out of him. And sure enough, the guy goes, yeah, yeah. And he's from Holland. Yeah, the other day I was in this crop circle. And I go, yeah, I know that one. And, and they said they were going to make it bigger. It's not done yet. Same words as the child like 50 miles ago. And my boyfriend again stepped on my foot. And all I see is these eyes like, this is so not happening. And I said, do you remember when I told you to leave the camera in the car? I said it with all my heart. Please leave the camera in America. If I take a camera to Wiltshire, they'll make me make a movie. And he thought I was kidding. He thought I was kidding. And I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I said, I just want to go play. So what happened was the most amazing story. We're in Wiltshire. And we see these two guys fall out of their van. Separate sides, the driver, the passenger. We see it pull up and park in front of the research center first thing in the morning. And these two guys literally fell out and they were almost crawling to the research center. And they finally kind of stood up, but they were bright red face. They didn't look well. And they're stumbling. And so I'm sitting there with this handsome gent and you know, we're having our coffee and cakes, which you do there in the morning. And, and I, we're going drunk or drugs, we're trying to guess, you know, what's wrong with these guys. And finally, you know, this instinct, I said, I don't think they're well. So I got up and I said, are you guys okay? And he barely looked up and he said, oh, what we saw last night. And I'm like, oh, come sit with us. <laughs> they were in shock. These two guys were in shock. This is the one that got him. <laughs> so they sit down. At the, at the table with us, we pulled up two chairs. I said, honey, please get him some coffee. So I said, just, just relax a second. If we get him some coffee, and they took a sip, and, and they slowly looked up. One guy spoke English, the other guy didn't. He said, yeah, yeah. We were over on Milk Hill the other night, over that crop circle, and I'm like, oh, this is the fourth story. 
in 24 hours. So I look at my boyfriend and I said, you remember I told you to leave the camera home. Please prepare yourself because I knew this was going to be the bomb. And so the other guy didn't hardly speak English other than, yeah, yeah, it's true. So Igor from Belgium says, we, we went up to the overlook where people go at night in the crop circle area when you want to see the balls of light in action. And you sit there for hours on the hillside hoping because you're sitting over a huge field that always gets hit. Every summer we have these certain fields in Southern England, they get one, two, three crop circles in the whole of East Field or the whole valley below Milk Hill or the whole valley around the Avebury Manor area, we always get crop circles. So if you sit in the areas and watch and watch and it's drizzly and it's cold, and you, all, you know, and you just keep waiting. But once in a while you get lucky and then you gotta be lucky and smart and quick to hit play on your camera. So every now and then people film balls of light. So these two guys are up there sitting, waiting. They see nothing. So they came all the way from Belgium to see the balls of light and the crop circles where they go in their van, they start to fall asleep and he's got kids and the baby and the wife. So they're all going to sleep and they hear this banter outside, really excited people speaking French coming up the hill and they understood French and the people were wailing that they had just seen these huge orange balls of light. So the two guys leave the mom and the kid because it's late, late, like midnight. And they go out, get dressed, and they went and they spoke to the French people who said, yeah, yeah, we don't know what they are, but we saw them. They were big and orange and they showed up and then they disappeared. And then they showed up again. And then they disappeared. Yeah, yeah, it was down the hill. So these two guys go scampering down the hill. And he said, we sat there five minutes. And all of a sudden, ooh, these huge orange balls of light. There were two. And then he said they just disappeared. And then they showed up again. Ooh. But when they turned around and the doorway opened and light beings walked out with arms, legs, and a head, and Andy goes, yeah, yeah, we saw them. And I'm like, looking at my boyfriend going, oh, this is heavy. And these guys were totally sober, totally serious, totally clear energy. They saw a doorway open in a ball of light and illumined light beings, two of them walk out that had the form of arms, legs, and a head something that they as humans could recognize, but other dimensionals had come out of the ball of light <clears throat> and these guys witnessed it. So I filmed them telling us that, and um, I bet I had a bruised foot by then, by my, you know, he was so freaked out. And again, these things happen, they're very real. And when it happens to you, you know it's real. A lot of people aren't ready for it. A lot of people aren't ready to see the films. And for those of you that are, uh, cropcirclefilms.com, there's eight of them and they're banging fresh. There's no scripts, there's no practice, there's no anything, there's editing. I edit. <laughs> I used to pay people to edit, now I edit. Um, but it's real stories and I think that's what's scaring people. But why would it scare anyone to not want organic food seeds? to be brought back. So ignoring those that we scare, 
what we have now is this dead guy, Lefty, left in 2013. He died. He had done decades of incredible discoveries in plants and soil and seeds. But when he hit crop circles, everything else disappeared because that was first and foremost the most amazing thing he had ever seen. When he proved that the seeds were becoming super seeds, he came up with the technology in the lab where he could really recreate what just happened with these spinning plasma vortices without having plasma. So, I mean, without having crop circles. He was definitely spinning the plasma fields, and then he was doing something called charge density plasma, and he built this machine. And I saw it sitting there when I went to his wake a year after he died. I was in the lab a few times. And it was the lab where Penny Kelly drove across the state of Michigan to work with him one or two days a week. Long days, but she would drive entirely across the state because they were so intrigued working together. And she was all about the metaphysical, everything that you would touch, feel. And he was totally science. He didn't even want to leave the lab. He had the same thing for dinner every night, she said, for 50 years. Once a week, he made tomato sauce and spaghetti. And he ate it every night with a little basic salad, but he had the same dinner every night for 50 years. And she said, how can you live like that? And he said, don't bother me with that stuff. I came here to do the science. Right back, nose in the, back in the lab. Man, you said a lot there. I, I, I want you to keep going, um, but I want to just touch on one thing because, you know, when you go to a space and you see something unbelievable, it's even hard for you to wrap your head around. So I've had experiences, um, one, two, three, four, with orbs or ships or something. Um, all the time I'm by my freaking self. And every time I wish I'm with a friend and you, it was the one, the first experience I have it on YouTube. You can check it out under the channel. It's like UFO orb Washington. And I was by myself and I was in the middle of the in forest and way long story short, there was a flickering um, light in the sky before the sun had gone down. I thought that was weird. And then when I came back down at midnight, um, it was really flickering and you know, then it started to move and it got to like a hundred feet across the river and a hundred feet in the air. And it looked like, um, the, it was getting pushed in. Like it didn't look like it was emitting light. It looked like it was this black hole, like, but a light hole, you know what I mean? There's no emission. It was going in. And I was like, Oh my God. And I thought I might get taken up on a ship or something. Cause I'm by myself in the middle of Mount Washington forest. Um, you know, I may or may not have done some psychedelics. And, um, but the thing is I have it on camera and it's, <laughs> it's like, that's what you can't argue with, but oh. I'm looking at it and like, and I, and then, so, I doused myself in, in white light and the psychedelics were 12 hours previous. So they were, they were done. Um, and so then I come back out with two cameras and it goes the other way and it holds in the sky And with both my cameras. It's going like crazy across. And when I told people this, it was either people that could handle it or people that couldn't. And just like when I went to Egypt, you know, I was in Egypt with Nassim Haramein, astrophysicists, physicists, mathematicians, engineers, geologists, some of the top Egyptologists in the world. And what they know is the official story of slaves is, is pretty bogus. Um, they're probably massive energy generators. They're probably built by some sort of ancient technology um, and advanced civilization. ETs of, you know, there's evidence of ETs all over the planet. Um, and you know, you can find really great evidence of this stuff if you look, but 
even me being open-minded, and I am, even me doing meditations where I've had a, a kundalini experience or um, Dan Winter calls it a bliss experience, and it's kind of like a 5D thing where it shakes up everything you believe in, it just like shatters it. Even that, even also drinking ayahuasca, which shatters your brain also into a million different pieces, even with all of that work that I have done, it was really hard for me to accept what I had saw. And so, because it's not normal and, um, you know, there's social conditioning and things like that. So if you're hearing it outside, people are really resistant and there's an NLP term. It's called like the mental model of the world, essentially um, your, what is it? Your, your mental map. And the deepest beliefs, you know, the most ingrained beliefs, whether they're um, around religion or spirituality or um, how you live your life, the more core they are and what you believe about reality, if it's uprooted, right, like Egypt, if Egypt was built by an advanced civilization, but you look at the science, you bring in the science scientists and you're like, you know, you look at the Sumerian tablets, they're saying sun gods. It's saying that over here on the planet at the same time, this is beyond old. We're just piecing things together with the, the science that we have. Um, you know, you can come to some really challenging conclusions. And that's why it's so important to be in the space like you were to look at people who are telling you a story. And like the kind of hurtful thing for me was that I was telling my friends that I grew up with and they either could handle it or not. And it wasn't a personal thing. It was their map of the world couldn't accept this new information because it was way too intense. And I was like, I'm telling you what I saw. And it was me. And I was right there. And, you know, so, you know, just to give that little bit of premise that it is really interesting stuff. But if we can open our, I think it was Tom Campbell on the podcast. Nope. It was a talk actually at the Resonance Science Foundation by uh, someone I really hope comes on Robert Grant really really successful business guy says we're going to get three new numbers which is very interesting and it was a fascinating talk but he said you know when we move into this transition of the 5d 60 whatever new earth he's like that dimension is here now and the only thing that's going to require is you to look at it is yeah. basically just to make that choice to see it because the lower one exists too but to grow and to evolve is just a choice you know what I mean, is to accept this new information or not, just like a 95-year-old accepting the internet and setting up an email. It's kind of like that, you know? It's just like, oh my God, like it's here. He probably doesn't want to use it. It's confusing, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And so, you know, I just wanted to go, go rant a little bit on that because it is a big thought. It's a big idea and people really have challenges with that. But when I had John D'Souza on, who's the FBI who you know, John, I love John. And um, he just says, you know, stop believing the media and believe what people say, you know, when they're honest people, right? Obviously you can tell when someone's bullshitting you, but like, if you go, you know, somewhere, I'm going to believe what you say. Cause uh, why would you lie to me? You know what I mean? You don't have like some sort of secret agenda where you're making all this money. That doesn't make any sense. You're like living a humble life in a beautiful location, doing documentaries, traveling the world. Like that's, you know, so if I'm out there, I'm probably going to tell you the truth too. So, um, you know, a little bit of a rant, but I definitely wanted to back that up to just invite people to explore the possibility of what if, you know, what if and, and be skeptical and do your own research. But when you do research and really look into stuff and not make a snap judgment, you're going to get really interesting feedback, really interesting stories. And if you look at just ufology and orbs and stuff like that, there are countless stories. And then when you see one, 
you're in the position where I didn't even tell people for a while and I'm this open because I was like, no one's going to believe me anyways. You know, no one's going to believe me. And they didn't. They didn't believe me. And I have 45 minutes of footage on two cameras. Um, so with that being said, you know, maybe move into, and you can do whatever you want because you get lots of stuff. But, um, you know, the seed thing. So I was going to talk on that, but I'm going to let you go because that's super important. Like talk about the seeds, talk about some of the science coming out of this and, and some of the implications because I've already heard of people having free energy. If you watch the Thrive documentary, Nikola Tesla, he already solved that stuff. You know, free energy is old news. We can do that. Uh, we just got to be allowed to do it. And so Monsanto, you know, they're, they're taking our seeds and making it harmful. Our farming is awful. Our water is disgusting. Um, you know, now if we have the super seeds and the polar opposite, that's really a game changer. Well, we have the super seeds. And um, the interesting thing about all that work was that they, <clears throat> they hit it by lying about Lefty. They came up with something that... I've still hear people repeat today, and I don't like making people feel foolish, not that they're willing to feel foolish, but when I hear people say things that I know are absolutely not true, it's only because I met Penny Kelly. But if I had not met her, I would believe the narrative that has been spun around all of this publicly. And if I read WikiLeaks and watched most of the movies, I'd believe the old um, stuff that's been spewed out by the two people paid by Lawrence Rockefeller to be the big rock stars of uh, crop circle mania uh, in the 80s and 90s. But, you know, I feel like we've gone so far past that, but we haven't. Um, we haven't because they've hidden the information so well. So Lefty was suppressed. Penny was so humble. And um, Lefty finally gave up in 2013 and bailed from this planet. And he was old enough, and he had done enough, but he was like, ah, this is ridiculous here. They don't want this, you know, they don't want the technology. And he passed away about a year after his wife did. So a year after he dies, I was um, a speaker in 2014 at the International UFO Congress Convention on Crop Circles. And I was really excited to be a speaker there. And then I got a standing ovation because people heard all the stuff that they'd never heard before. But I didn't know anything like what we're talking about. I knew none of this. This is all since meeting Penny Kelly and hearing the truth of what she and William Levengood came up with. And uh, so because this is all a mystical map, this lady hears me speak. She comes up to me and invites me to speak at her place in Michigan and offers to pay me nicely to come to this just gig on a lake where all these people camp in their tents and the psychics and healers. And it sounded really fun. And I was going to be the keynote. So I said, sure. So I come out first night. I meet this guy sitting on the two, two couches for on the corners. And I said, Hey, kind of handsome older guy and we're chatting away and he says there's someone that you need to meet would you be willing to take a drive with me and I said uh probably not because I don't know you it's Michigan it's nighttime and I don't think so but thank you nice nice guy and I said but tell you what I'll ask you know people and uh, if they know you and speak highly of you perhaps tomorrow night because he was real polite and graceful and so the following night, I had asked people, and sure enough, we sat down on those corners, just like, like planned. And uh, I said, yeah, let's go. Who is this lady? And he goes, you'll see when you meet her. 
didn't tell me a thing. So we go to this house, lovely sprawling farm, and we're sitting around a round table eating cherries for hours. I had no idea who she was. They didn't tell me until I was like two in the morning and I said, really sorry, but I gotta go. Uh, I've gotta speak in the morning. So um, she says, well, let me give you one of my books before you go. And she hands me a book. And I said, I'll give you one of my movies. I have it in my purse. So we traded our work and I went through the pages and there's a page of crop circle nodes like we talked about with the blown nodes and elongated nodes. And I'm like, what is this doing in your book? And she looks at the guy and she said, you didn't tell her who I was? And it's two in the morning. I've been there four hours and I'm like, okay guys, game's up, Who's, who are you? And she said, I was the real partner of William Levengood for the last 16 years of his life. I'm like, you tell me this now? <laughs> oh, oh, I have to go. So it was horrible. I was just like, oh. She says, come back in a month for his wake and stay here at the farm. And we'll talk for a few days and I'll tell you things. And I'm like, I am so here. Thank you. So I had to suffer for a month. Couldn't wait to get back. I came for three days, but stayed three weeks, brought in a film crew and nailed Crop Circle Diaries because what I learned from her was so phenomenal. But that night when I left her house, I gave her a hug and I was like, God, I wish you had said something earlier. And, you know, she was like, well, I thought you knew. It's like, no, no, he didn't say a word. So he drives me back to the hotel and drives me at the front door. And I got out, thanked him, and I'm walking up, and there's these two head psychics from the event standing at the door, and their arms are folded. It's like 2.30 in the morning now. And one of them's smoking a cigarette, and the other one's keeping her company. But they're both nodding and smiling. And I asked, she says, who's that lovely tall man next to you? And I thought the guy got out of his car and there was nobody there. And I said, excuse me? And she said, very tall, goatee, silver, silver hair. He has a message. Can I give it to you? Do you know who this is? And I'm like, no, I have no idea. And so she said, he just wants you to know that he orchestrated this and he's really glad it worked. I said, excuse me, I'll be right back. And I go running through the parking lot, like throwing my arms, jumping up and down, trying to get this guy's attention because he's about to hit the road. And luckily he looked back and he backed up and I'm first panting. And uh, I said, what did William Levengood look like? And he said, tall, silver hair, silver goatee, why? And I'm like, <laughs> he's here, he, he's here, they, they, they said. And he just looked at me and he goes, mm-hmm. And I said, no, no, I, I'm freaking out here. And he goes, well, I graduated Kenny's intuition courses. We expect things like this. Have a good night. He drives away. I'm like, oh, my God. So that's how I met William Levengood. Wow. Jeez. Holy smokes. All right, guys, that wraps up part one on the crop circle exploration with the expert Patty Greer. Um, I hope your mind isn't blown uh, too much and you can kind of grasp. You can also watch this on YouTube. And uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties. So uh, hopefully you can just bear with us there. But we're going to go even deeper in the second part of the podcast. Uh, so thanks so much for coming along. Um, just want to thank my sponsors, Sync Tuition, uh, which is the Brainwave Entrainment Meditation. 
If you go to bit.ly forward slash gamma waves, you can check them out. And there's a discount Zen 2017 on the site. If you want to use that checkout code and it's all over at mattbelair.com forward slash store. And just want to thank you guys for coming on and, and listening and being with me. Um, if you want to reach out for speaking or podcasts or you want a guest, just reach out at matt at zenathlete.com and I'll get back to you as I'm starting to create systems to handle the increasing workload. So it's a challenge and a privilege going into 2018 to just bring you more outstanding, inspiring guests. So I think that's about it. Um, just want to send out tons of love and gratitude to you. You know, if you want to get really clear on what your 2018, what you want to bring about in 2018, just uh, maybe check out the heart journey meditation, which is designed to hypnotize you into your heart and then, you know, figure out what's most important for you, what's most aligned for you and have a heart centered vision come forth. Because I think that our lives and especially now moving into what I see as say new earth or a fifth dimensional understanding or expanded world, expanded consciousness is heart centered. It's heart based. It's cooperative in nature. And so our hearts are cooperative in nature and it requires us to let go of that fear-based programming and the survival state, right? That's why we stay in our jobs because we need that money to survive, to pay the rent. And so I totally understand that. So if we can kind of merge the two, our hearts and our minds, then we can begin to steer our ships and our intentions with our hearts rather than uh, fear-based and uh, survival-based mechanisms. So that, that meditation will definitely serve and support you over there. And that's about it. Um, so just before we close, I'd invite you to come into a state of coherence all together. And all you need to do is first set the intention to come into a state of peace, love, and gratitude. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Imagine white, golden, platinum, powerful source light coming in and filling every cell and every molecule of your being, pulsing throughout your nature. And just imagine the same light coming down from the universe and pulsing through every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being as you continue deep, slow, rhythmic breathing and energy from the earth coming up and supporting you and meeting in the center of your heart, connecting earth and source and matter and spirit. And as this energy pulsates in the center of your heart where you can put your focus, just set your intention on some, something that you're really grateful for, just love and gratitude. Or even just say the words love and gratitude, love and gratitude. Just feel how your body feels. And then just allow this energy to expand out. Maybe a couple feet from your body. And then five feet and ten feet. Just keep imagining that light connecting you to source. And let that energy go out to your city. All the way out to your city and your community and everything that's around you. And send this energy Set the intention to send this energy to every single person you have ever met, that you've ever come across, that you've ever even seen. Maybe they were just all background people as you're driving in traffic or big crowd. Just send it to every single being on the planet you've ever come across. Now send it to every being that's ever been on planet Earth, past, present, and future. Just sending them love and gratitude and acceptance and, and kindness and self-worth and love and brotherhood and sisterhood and just send them positive loving supportive energy and as you send that energy out see it come back to you tenfold charged with all the beautiful hearts and beings that it met along the way and fill yourself up and send love and peace and gratitude to yourself 
forgiveness for anything you're beating yourself up for and just coming into this state of divine harmony, knowing that you are good enough, you are worthy, you are whole, you are balanced. And just say to yourself, I, I love myself, I accept myself. I completely love and accept myself and just see, do your best to mean that completely, 100%. And that's the mastery, love and complete acceptance of yourself. Just feel in that energy, knowing that you just sent it out to all beings in the earth, past, present, and future, and you deserve it just as much as they do. So be easy on yourself and be kind on yourself and just enjoy the rest of the day and allow this energy to carry with you throughout the day. But thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.